Hey, this is Andrea, and you're listening to the City Heart Podcast. We hope that this series inspires you, challenges you, and propels you to dive deeper into your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the word, right? We have been in this series called Heart for the House. Heart for the House, thus Heart for the House Offering. And so we've been literally preparing for the last few weeks, not just for this offering, but really in our hearts about what it means to give, what it means to be generous with our time, with our talent. And today we'll be talking about our treasure. So let's turn to the word. Look with me in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles is in the Old Testament, if you didn't know. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. You might get confused with Corinthians. I used to do that when I was a kid. Right, right. First Chronicles chapter twenty-nine. We're going to look at verse number nine, and I'm actually going to read a little bit through seventeen. First Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, verse nine reads like this: It says, "The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord." David the king also rejoiced greatly. And David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you, for you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and and give strength to all. Verse 13 says, Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. I love this part. It says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as well as our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. What does that mean? It means it's short. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Verse 17, he says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. And leave something there in 1 Chronicles 29. We're going to come back to that. I want to check out one more passage of scripture, and that's in Matthew chapter 6. Again, uh, if you have the Bible app, if you have your phone, you can follow along with my notes. I put all my scriptures in there. Just go to the Bible app. Uh, you can go to more events. Just type in City Heart Church. You can pull everything up there, and we leave them up all week so that you can study on your own and check out more of these verses and what the Lord is saying to you there. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and look quickly with me, verse 19, and we'll jump into what we have to talk about today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says this. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Key verse here, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Bow your heads, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day, for it's a day that you have made. And Lord, we rejoice and we're glad in it. And we are so thankful for this opportunity that we have to worship you, Lord, to seek your face, this opportunity that we have to celebrate all that you've done in this ministry over the last four years, God. How you have kept us, how, Lord, how you have built us, how you have grown us, how you have allowed us uh, to reach this city uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I ask as we dive into your word that you would help this word to come alive in us. Let your Holy Spirit move in this place. Lord, let me decrease that you might increase in this moment. God, that you your people might hear a word that will challenge them, that would encourage them, Lord, that will continue to push them even closer in their relationship and their knowledge of you. God, you're good, and your word is true, and it's what we need for our lives, and we thank you for it, and we give you the glory for it. It's in your son Jesus' name. We all say together, amen. So as I said, over the last few weeks, we have endeavored to really kind of give you a glimpse into what it looks like to have a heart for the house, to have a heart for the house. And what we were saying by that literally is that, you know, we, we should have this expectation. We should have this perspective on the house of God that is different than what the world looks like. It should be a different feeling than, than how you feel when you go to your job, especially on a Monday morning. Whew. Right? We all know that feeling. It's when the, when the alarm goes off, it's, oh. But when we come into the house of God, that should not be the same feeling that we have. When we come into the house of God, there should be some excitement in us. There should be some joy. There should be something, man, that's burning on the inside of us. That, man, well, when we come into his presence, even if it's just in a God's presence, even if you're watching online, we're like, well, I'm not comfortable coming yet. Look, even if you're watching on your couch, when you come in and to encounter God, there should be something that, man, it's just, it's like a spark goes off. In, in, in the inside of you that makes you feel like, you know what, I'm connecting with the almighty God. And when I come into the presence of God, when I get in amongst the people, man, there's a shift that happens in my life where I begin to, man, just not think about all the things that I'm dealing with. And just for a moment, for a section in time, when I'm in the house of God, I am focused on him. And I'm focused on what he wants to do in my life. And I'm available and I'm open and I'm submitted to his will and everything that he wants to say to me and everything that he's trying to do through me. When we come into the house of God, that should be our perspective. And what it will do is drive something in us to, man, to, to want to, for, to, that will drive something in us that will help us to want to be in it over and over again, that we almost feel unwhole if we are not in God, that we would feel disconnected, right? If we're honest, this COVID season has done that to us, right? We have felt disconnected from the house of God. We felt disconnected from the presence of God. It's just, it hasn't been the same. It's been tough wearing a mask and getting thermometer checked and doing all this. Look, it's tough. 
and it's kind of messed with us. And I recognize what the enemy has been trying to do is to disconnect the people from the house of God in every way that he can. And, and, and why is that? It's so that we do not complete the work that God has for us. And so that actually that we would start to lose the heart for the house that we're supposed to have. That God's house means that much to us. And it should mean that much to us. And we said, look, if you're going to have a heart for the house, right, we kind of tried to give you an idea of what that would look like. And I, I, I gave you two things two weeks ago. And I want to I just go over them again. The first thing we said, if you're going to have a heart for the house, here's what it looks like. The first thing is this, is that you would have a sincere, a deep, and a strong love for the house of God. If you're going to have a a heart for the house, this is what it looks like, that you have a sincere, deep, and strong love for the house of God and a burning desire to dwell in it, that that would be how you see it. And the second thing that you see in this, that there would be a hunger in you. There would be a hunger developed on the inside of you because of that. Because of you dwelling in the house of God, that, man, there would be something that would burn inside of you to see the house thrive and grow. That not only do I get to come and that I get to be a part of it and I get to be blessed by it, but that also, man, there's something that burns on the inside of me that I can't leave it any worse or the same as how I got to it. I want to see it thrive and grow even beyond me to reach the people that are in my life, that it would, man, begin to go outside of me. Amen? Right? I want to see it do something beyond even who I am. When you think of, right, a house, right, when you think of a house, when you think of even just a natural house, right? This week, I'm going to tell you, I took on a project that I didn't want to take on, but I took it on anyway, and we've been kind of, oh, man, we're going to do this, we're not going to do this, we are going to do this, we are going to do this, but I said, look, let's just do it. Right? We've made our mind, we're just going to do it. I said, I'm going to paint my bathroom. And you're like, oh, that's not too bad. And that's what I said. Oh, it's not too bad. It's small. It's a bathroom. It's, and it's going to happen in a minute. It's, man, all, all we have to do is paint. It's paint. It's easy. The primer's up, right? That, that started earlier this week. The primer's up. That's about as far as I got so far. And I've been sweating and, <gasps> right, trying to get it done. And the primer's up. I'm like, okay, great. But you know what? And for anybody that owns a house or if you have a house, you, 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 you understand what, it, what the value of a house is. And that when you put anything to improve a house, what you're trying to do is improve the value of the house. That's what you're trying to do. Any type of fixes that you do, you're trying to improve it or you're trying to maintain it so that, man, it doesn't deteriorate and, and, and so that it keeps serving its purpose for you, Right? And, 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 and so here's the thing, right? We all understand what the value of a house is. We all understand what a house can do. And, and there's many people, when they think about a house, when you think about doing stuff in your house, I used to be a mortgage banker back in the day before I met my wife. That's when I was making that good money, girl. You took all my money. No, anyway, right? I used to be a mortgage banker, right? And when I was a mortgage banker, here's the thing I knew, right? That a house is the most expensive thing that any person typically will ever purchase in their life. For the average person, a house is the most, it's the most expensive cost that you will ever personally take on in your life, that you will pay for yourself. And you understand that everything that you put in it adds to its value. And a lot of us, when we think about a house, we think that the value is found in its price. But actually, it's found in its purpose. 
When you think about a house, you think it's you think the value it's in the price of how much it costs. And four hundred thousand dollar house and eight hundred thousand house, million dollar house, and this dream house, the houses that LeBron and Kobe get, right? Those big, gigantic houses. But actually, the value of a house is found in its purpose. It's found in its purpose. And so, okay, what's the purpose of a house? A house provides a place of safety, security, and peace for a person or a family, right? A a house provides shelter and protection from the elements and and dangers of the outside world. A house is where food is prepared. Help me, Jesus, almost lunchtime. Where food is prepared and is available to be eaten, right, for nourishment of the body, right? A house is where we go to rest, It's where we go to recover from work and stress of the day. Can I get amen right there? Amen, right? A house serves as a gathering place where where connections are established with family, neighbors, and your friends, right? A house is a place where values and morals are developed and conveyed. A house is where we go to get cleansed and restored. A house is where we let down our guard. And, and, and it's where we, we really begin to communicate our true emotions and feelings and thoughts that we don't show everybody else. Ultimately, because a house provides all of these things for us, we deem that value of a house as great. The value of a house is high because it can do all of these things. All of these things fulfill the purpose of what a house is. You know what a house then is because it's so high in value in our lives? A house is a treasure. Think about it. The the literal definition of treasure is something of high value. So if your house is of high value to us, that means that, man, a house is a treasure. It's something that we value highly. It's something that we value greatly. And here's the thing about it. And the Lord gave me this this week. And when he gave it to me at first, I didn't understand. I was like, Lord, you're going to have to break this down for me because I don't understand it. And I began to to pray about it. And he showed me this thing again. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm starting to understand now. But when I started to think about a house, I said, okay, Lord, I see where you're going. Because here's what it is. Look, a house is a treasure. And what you treasure is where you will invest and sacrifice what you treasure. Y'all hearing me? Let me say that again. What you treasure is where you will invest and sacrifice what you treasure. When we treasure something, we're more than willing to invest and to sacrifice our time. Think about that. When you really view something as a treasure, it doesn't matter how much time it takes for you to do something, you're willing to do it because it, of its value in your life. When, 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 when you treasure something, right, we're more than willing and, 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 and to, to invest and sacrifice your talent. Whatever it takes to make something happen, we are more than willing to pitch in and make it happen, right? When we treasure something, we're more than willing to invest and sacrifice what we deem as high in value. For many of us, that's money. Let me step back. I don't get shocked, right? When a pastor said money on a Sunday. Oh, we got to wait because people, I get it. When people you start talking about money, a pastor on a Sunday. Oh, pastor, where are you going with this message now? Where, where are we talking about? Man, for many of us, that is money. You know what you treasure? Here, you want to know how to find out what you treasure? Go look at your calendar. 
and go look at your bank account and see where you have spent your money, where you have spent things in your life. That will show you what you treasure. That will show you what you consider of as high in value to your life. And you look, you like me might be horrified, right, by the results that you see. You ever had the, the thing that comes up in your phone, the little report that you get from Apple that tells you how you spent your time during the week? Come on, I'm not the only one. Right, and it tells you, here's how much time you spent working. And here's how much time you spent on games. Let me raise both my hands on that one, right? And here's how much time of productivity. That's the one that always gives me, right? You, and I always hate when the entertainment is lower than the productivity. It shows you like your Facebook time. And somehow you didn't know you, come on now, don't, don't let me be the only one. You didn't know you spent eight hours on Facebook over the last four days. And you're like, how did I do that, right? And, and, and look, that's the receipts that, that our lives, and when we start to look at our lives, we'll see. You know what? Maybe I value things differently than I thought. And I feel like that's when when Jesus is speaking to his disciples in Matthew 6, that's why he's telling them, look, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't be so consumed with what's happening here and, 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 and putting so much thought and money and time and talent into stuff that only benefits the earth, but rather, right, where moths and vermin destroy where Amazon and fast food destroy. <laughs> Come on. Or, or, and where thieves break in and steal. Where Instagram and TikTok steal your time. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven. What does that mean? It means store up for yourselves things that are pertaining to God. If you're going to invest in something, if you're going to sacrifice in something, do it in something that's worthwhile. God is worthwhile. The things that are related to him are worthwhile for your life. And look, 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 look what happens when you do that. Then the moss and vermin do not destroy because it's in something that's actually right. That can't be destroyed. Right. And where thieves can't break in and steal. Why? For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I've got a a logical question for you. I'm a philosophy major, right? And so I like logical questions. Here's a good logical question that flows from that. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure, right? If we took an account of kind of our spiritual bank statements, our receipts, if you will, if we were to look at that in our lives, man, what, do, what would your time say you value? What would your talent and how you use it say that you value? Where is your treasure being invested and I'm not trying to beat up on you. I just really, I'm, I'm saying, look, this is for me too. I want all of us to just examine, right? What is it that we are sacrificing and invested into? Is it God-related? Is it fulfilling the purpose and the calling that he's given all of us? Or is it fulfilling stuff that's just pertaining to earth? Where moss and vermin just come up and just seem to eat up your money and seem to eat up your time and seem to eat up your talent when you could have been investing and sacrificing those things and giving it to God. Y'all hearing me today? 
Our, we said this a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. My wife actually echoed it last week, right? We said our, our, our heart for the house isn't measured solely by what we gain from it and what blesses us, but it's also measured by what we're willing to sacrifice and give to see that others dwell in, in the house and are blessed by it also, right? We're talking about the house of God, and, and honestly, we ask you to in, invest and sacrifice to the house of God, and I get all of the ramifications that come with that and all the connotations that come with how churches talk about money and, and how some people, let me just be honest, some people have been manipulated by churches trying to get them to right, swindle them out of some bus. I'm not trying to do that here. What I, what I do want to do, though, is be obedient to attach you to the blessings that God has provided and promised all of us in his word when we're faithful to give in a way that honors him. We have to do that work, right? And, and right, so again, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your heart with the Lord? Because your treasure would be there. Is your heart with the Lord? Your treasure is going to follow. And again, I want to tell you what I told you before. What you treasure, what you treasure is where you will invest and sacrifice where you treasure. What you treasure is where you will invest and sacrifice what you treasure. Let me give you a, a good scriptural, scriptural application of this, right? John three sixteen. we know this. For God so loved the world, right? What do you see there? For God loved the world. That means the world was of high value. He considered the world a treasure, right? What does he do? That he... Come on, y'all. John 3, 16, that he gave, right, that he gave his one and only son. Again, what you see is him, right, investing and sacrificing. He says, look, the world is a treasure, something of high value. I'm going to give. I'm going to invest and sacrifice in something, and I'm going to put my treasure there, right? I'm going to give my one and only son Right? That's something of high value to him in his life. He says why? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What does that let us know? It let us, that lets us know that what he treasures is where he invested and sacrificed what he treasures. What did he treasure? He treasured you. What does God treasure? He treasures you. That if you think about it for a moment, just slow down and think about the fact that God saw you as that significant to his life. He wanted a relationship with us that great that he was willing to give up his very best treasure so that you would have an opportunity to have eternal life that you would have an opportunity to have a connection with him, that you would not perish. That's how he sees you. What he treasures is where he invested and sacrificed. What that lets us know is that God has a heart for the house. He has a heart for you and for your house and for who you are. He believed that your value was so high that he literally gave us his heart. That's where he invested. I love 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? He has a heart for the house and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. That 
He's actually invested and sacrificed for you. Can't you see that? Look, God's heart for you, I want to say it again. God's heart for you wasn't measured solely by what he would gain from you and and be blessed by because of you. But it's also measured by what he was willing to sacrifice and to give, namely his son, to see that you would dwell in the house and be blessed also. He was willing to sacrifice for you. And I told you earlier, so many of us, when we look at a house, our focus is on the price. Our focus is on the cost. But actually, our, the, the real value is found in its purpose. When God sent Jesus down to earth, his focus wasn't on the cost of sending his son. His focus was on your purpose. The fact that he had to send his son to redeem you, the fact that he had to send his son to die on the cross and have him not be in his presence and and deal with all the drama that you are, that he still saw that as a worthy investment, you? Look, I hold up a mirror. Me? Yes. That he would see you in that way. That lets you know that he is actually more concerned about your, pur- about your purpose than he is about what it costs to even get you. Not that he didn't care about his son, but he cared about you enough to invest and sacrifice so that you would have a connection with him. That's how much he cares about us. Often I get it when the subject of, of sacrifice or, or generosity comes up for us. Our immediate focus a lot of times is in what we can give. That's our focus. Or look, can I be honest? It's it's in what we can't give. When somebody says give, our minds go to, well, here's actually what I can't give. But I feel like God is actually more concerned about why we give what we give. But the reasons that we do it. And the reason why we give is because it pleases God. That's That's actually the why you're supposed to give, not because it it does anything else, but please God. Let me show you, right? When we do that, it's it's us showing God that he is our treasure. When we give to him, right, we show that we value our relationship with him so much that we're actually willing to invest and to sacrifice our treasure. We're willing to invest and to sacrifice what we deem as high in value. That's why we give, is is the recognition on our account that, you know what, God, you're actually my treasure, that I value my relationship with you, and because of that, I'm willing to give what I have. Not, man, I'm willing to give all that I am so that I can be a blessing to you, so that because I see you as a treasure, that's why I'm giving. And that's why also we give to others, not just that it pleases God, but God's saying, I want you to give actually so that you can please others as well, so that you can be a benefit and a blessing to somebody else's life. That's why we give to the house of God. Look at this, right? Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And look, verse 16 says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. You know who, what the church does? Our job 
is to meet the needs of those that are in need. So when you give to the house of God, you are literally doing what God is asking us to do. And look what he says. He says, these are the sacrifices that please God. You want to please God with your giving? Give in this way. Don't focus on the what. Because all of us wish we had a lot more what to give. But focus on the why. We give because it pleases God. And we want to please him. And look, however you give, whatever you give, right, whether you're giving to God or to others, when you give, it's something that has to be done willingly. It's something that has to be done wholeheartedly. It's something that it has to be done freely. No one wants to give stuff away that you don't want to give away. That's why they tell you to carry cash in your wallet, right? Because the, the swipey swipey is so easy, right? You just, whoop, new pair of shoes, right, ladies? Whoop. <laughs> Fellas, new gun, right? Whoop. <laughs> it's, so, it's so simple, right? And we want to do that. But when you, when you have to pull out cash, when you got to break a 20, oh, come on now. It, it messes with you a little bit. You're like, oh, I don't want to get away. But look, that, when, that's really that's the perspective that we have on giving, but we actually have to be willingly ready to give. And we have to give wholeheartedly. And we have to give freely. Second Corinthians 9, 7, y'all know this. It says, look, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. What do you think a cheerful giver looks like? Somebody that gave wholeheartedly? somebody that gave willingly, and somebody that gave freely. You ever give money away that you didn't want to give away? Ever had to pay for something you didn't want to pay for? You don't do that freely. You don't do that. Come on now. You don't do that wholeheartedly. Something breaks in your house, and you got to, we had, we were on, this happens like every time we go on vacation. I think the last time was the only time it didn't happen, where something broke while we were away on vacation. We left one time, had a water heater break. On vacation, already spending money I don't want to spend. And had to, had to, man, had to send some money home, right? Had to swipe and call the company to go do it. And, and the price that they had was the price that I didn't want to give them. I didn't like that price. And you know what I was? I was reluctant. And I was under compulsion to give them money I didn't want to give them. When we give to God, we have to Man, we, we, we can't give in that same way. We glorify God with our generosity. We magnify God with our worship. That's why we can't, even in our worship, we can't come in here and give him halfway. We have, Lord, I'm going to give you my all. I want to submit my everything to you because when I give you worship, when I start to glorify your name, not only does, am I offering up praises to you, Lord, but something starts to change in my life. There's things that start to move in my life. And look, we honor God with our sacrifice. And so giving is literally the least we can do to recognize God. It's the least we can do to express our gratitude for what he has given to us. It's the least, but it's also the greatest for us. It's the least for him. He don't need your money. God owns it all. But what he's trying to do through you is open up things in you so that you can experience his goodness and his greatness in your life. And that's why we give. 
because it pleases him. If we think about it, we recognize that actually you'd be nothing without him, that you'd actually have nothing without him. If it were not for him, that you wouldn't be in a relationship with God if he didn't give his son, that you would not know freedom in your life if Jesus hadn't died for you. And that's why he encourages us to give. And that's why, man, the main vehicle that he set up for us to give as believers, as Christians, is the church. It's the main way. I didn't say it was the only way. I said it was the main way. It's the main vehicle that he has given us, right? When we want to sacrifice, we want to invest our treasure, what, what we have desired in our hearts to give, the church is the main way. It's his house. He's saying, look, I, I, I want you to, to have a heart for the house. I want you to treasure this thing so much that you're willing to sacrifice and invest in it because you recognize not the cost, not the price, but you recognize the purpose. And even in my life, whatever it takes God to do it, man, I'm going to do it, not focusing on the price, but I'm going to focus on the purpose when I give. That I'm not focusing on the what, because it's easy. And when we focus on the what, what do we do? We limit what we'll actually give. But if we start to focus on the why we give, it changes how you give. When you start focusing on the fact that, man, when I give, it starts to affect lives being changed, man, that changes the way you give. That changes what you think about when you give it because you see the work that goes into seeing the gospel being propagated and moved forth, right? That changes how you give. And look, we read it earlier. David understood this well. And he gave. And when you look in 1 Chronicles 29, when you look in the first 10 verses, I encourage you to go read it. What David does, he starts off, literally verse 1, talking about the fact that he knew that he wasn't going to be the one to build the temple. That the Lord actually said, actually, your son's going to do it. And so he had a moment right there to feel like, well, I don't know if I want to give. If I can't build it, Lord, why should I give? If my name can't be on the pew, why should I give? Right? But, but he, the Lord told him, hey, Solomon's actually going to build the temple. And, and David, the rest of the verses up, up, up to verse 9, right, he literally lays out everything that he gave, that he gave personally. And he gave it, obviously, he was a king, he had great wealth. But he laid it out, and then he said, look, who's willing to consecrate with me? Who's willing to sacrifice with me as well? And look what happens, right? First Chronicles, pick it back up. Verse, chapter 29, verse 9 says, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders because they gave in such an amazing way. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to God. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. Verse 10 says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying this, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, Lord. You are exalted as head over all. My wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt all and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and, and praise your glorious name. Do you recognize that that's a different perspective of how to give than how we normally give? We're normally, oh, I don't want to give that offering. But David's saying, you actually know, you know what, Lord? This is actually all yours. 
And all praises due to you. Look, he goes on to say, look, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. It's not even yours. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as well as your ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and it all belongs to you. So when we give, you're not giving out of what you have. You're giving out of what he gave you to give. And so that changes how, well, Lord, I'm actually giving you what's already yours. And because the Lord treasures you the way that he does, because he was willing to give you his son that lets you know that he sees you of high value. Do you think he's going to leave you short when you sacrifice and invest and give into his kingdom? No. He says, look, Lord God, all this abundance that we have provided for building your temple of your whole name comes from your hand. It all belongs to you. And I love that he says, I know my God that you test the heart and that you're pleased with integrity, that you know why I'm giving and with the heart that I'm giving. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. I'm going to give you three quick reasons here why you should give. Three really practical reasons why you should be a giver, why it should be a part of your lifestyle, why you recognize it as a form of worship. The first way is this. The Lord deserves your best. He gave you his best. He gave you what he deemed of high value. Does he not deserve the same? If God is your treasure, if God and your relationship with him is of high value to you, then you should be willing to invest and sacrifice your very best. Giving is an act of devoting our lives to him totally. It's not just money. And it's also us not trying to keep anything back from God. Here's number two, right? Why should you give? All that we have comes from the Lord and belongs to him anyway. It comes from him and it belongs to him. It's why you should give. It's not even yours to, to really be trying to hang on to in the first place. It's his. And the third thing is this. It's the reason why you should give is because it's actually our privilege. It's your privilege to give to God. The act of giving, it's not duty. It's not an obligation. If you're looking at it in that way, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. It's actually our, our privilege to give to God. There's a verse in 1 Timothy that I was reading this week, and, and as I was studying this week, it, it checked me about my mindset, about how I've given in the past, and even how I've, I've, we might have even given recently. And it kind of unlocked something for me about, man, how we just really as personally, but even as a church, how we are going to operate in this next season from a generous perspective. We're going to be more generous than we ever had. Today was just a start. We're going to be more generous than we ever had. And as, as we do that, as we give, we're going to grow. And let me read it to you. First Timothy 6 says this. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And look what happens, right? It's, 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 it's when, again, our focus has to be on the why 
and not the what. Your focus has to be on the why. Our focus has to be on giving willingly. Our heart has to be in it. And we have to do it in a way that we're open and we're ready and we're free and we're wholeheartedly ready to give. And when you do that, check out the next verse here. Verse 19 says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they might take hold of the life that is truly life. What does that mean? When I give in a way that honors God, when I give freely and wholeheartedly and willingly, the Lord said, what I'm actually doing is laying up treasure for myself for later. It's like a retirement package. You put it away and don't we hate, look, we hate that little 5%, 4% they try to take from your word. They try to take my money. No, what they're actually trying to do is set you up for something later. When we give to the Lord, man, we're not doing it. This is not our why because he's going to give it to us. But I give because, man, I know what God means to me, that he's, a, he's the treasure in my life. And when I do that, that this is a byproduct. This is what I get in, 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 in regards to that. You are God's treasure. Your value isn't in the price that God paid to get you but your value is actually in your purpose. And what God has purposed you with is to reach this world with his gospel, to bring more people into connection with him. That's why you give your time. Why these people come here and serve? Sometimes I don't know. When I walk in here and stuff is set up, and and when I walk in here and and the, the band's going and they're giving their talent, sometimes I'm like, why are they doing that? I'm not that special. I know it's not about me, but it's because they recognize their purpose. Why do the graphic people spend so much time trying to make us look good online and all that stuff is because, man, they are, they recognize their purpose. They have a heart for the house. They have a burning desire to be here and to dwell in it because they understand what it does for them. But you know what? They're not willing to just leave it there. They take it the next step and say, you know what? Actually, I have a hunger to make this house even better. I have a hunger to see it strive and grow. That's why they come and give. The people that serve, the people that break down and set up every week, the people that run the cameras and run the sound, people that, man, are on the instruments, The people that watch our kids, praise Jesus for the people that make that decision every week to to serve in that way. It's not because they're getting some major reward. I can't pay them. But they're actually laying up for themselves treasure in heaven. They're laying up for themselves a firm foundation. That's why we encourage you in this season to be in prayer about what to give. It wasn't just about money. It was about your time and your talent. It was about all of you, about you coming into connection and understanding the purpose of you giving in your life, that it's bigger than you, baby. It's about the next person that's going to come through that door that needs to know who God is. That's our purpose as a church. That's our vision, to bring people that are far from God, that don't have a connection with him, that were lost and that are struggling they would have a new heart that is connected to God and that they would have a connection to us as well. 
we all should have a heart for the house. And it's because we recognize that we are a treasure. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want to hear more about this series or learn more about our church, check us out at cityheartjackson.com or follow us online at cityheartjxn.